Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Well, good morning, everybody. How are you guys today? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My name is Danny Rivers, and I'm one of the pastors here at LifePoint Church, and we are so, so glad that you're here today. Those of you worshiping with us online, thank you guys so much. We can't tell you how much it means that you gather with us, and some of you will gather later on in the week, and some of you won't see this for a couple of weeks from now, whatever the case is. Hey, can we give all these folks a big hand with you guys real quick? Thank you so much. We're one church, but we meet all over the place, and that's awesome. So thank you for being here. Hey, real quick. I got to say this because I think it's important. Um, If you missed Big Wednesday here this past Wednesday night, I'm just going to tell you you missed something. I don't know how else to tell you. You missed something that was awesome here. And so while you can't come back and go back in time and show up, you can go to our website, lifepointsa.com, and check it out. Um, I don't know. Some of you were here. It was just different. I don't know how else to say it. It was just different, and it was awesome. So... Check that out. I think it might help you. We talked about healing, how God wants to heal your body, mind, soul, spirit, and how he does that. So uh, check it out. Um, the series is called Better Than Normal. By the way, uh, let me get there in a second. Sun- next Sunday is a big deal in America. I don't know if you guys know there's a thing, this little football game that they do every now and then, uh, once a year. We're not allowed to say it on, for real. It's like for real. You can't say it, what it is. Uh, we're going to call it Football Sunday, and we're going to have an awesome week next week. You're going to uh, watch some incredible players and coaches from that league that that, that game comes from. Uh, they're going to be telling their stories about what Jesus has done in their lives. So this is the perfect opportunity to invite somebody um, to hear from people they would normally hear about talking about their faith. So check that out with us next week. The, the series that we've been in and we're wrapping up today is called Better Than Normal. And, and if you haven't been here for any of this, let me just catch you up as quickly as I can um, we all keep talking about when, how we want to get back to normal, and we, we mean things like, you know, just the crazy stuff that we're having to do right now, wearing masks, all that stuff. We can't wait till we don't have to do that. Although, we, we may be wearing masks for a while. Just anyways, um, not because we want to. Anyways, um, but we're talking about the way that we viewed life, the way we viewed faith, the way that we, view, we viewed our relationships, how we thought about money. Uh, Last week, Pastor Andy did an incredible job, y'all, talking about work. If you missed that, check it out. It was incredible. And and then um, we don't. What we're saying is, we don't really need to get back to that kind of normal. Maybe the loss of those normal things is actually good. And so here's what we said: normal is. This is our definition. Normal is a standard that people conform to. The, The key word there is conform. It's the usual, the typical, and the expected. And what we've been saying over this series is that you were not born to be norm. You were born to stand out, to stand up, to be bold, to be courageous, to do things God's way, not necessarily just the world's way. And the reason we said that you're not born to be norm is because of this next statement. Because if normal is so good, why isn't it working? Come on, everybody. You know what I'm saying? Why isn't it working? And here's the key text. And it's so important, this text. It's Shows up in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew, uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. This is towards the back end. Jesus is talking about what it looks like to live life his way. And he says, enter through the, what is it, the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads where? To destruction, like to chaos, to hurt, to pain, to unhealthy. And many enter through it. But, 
small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to, say it with me, leads to life. That's the, that's the choice, destruction or life. And only, unfortunately, only a few are going to find it. It's the way of Jesus. It's the way of life that he describes uh, that we should live. And so today, I want to invite you, um, I don't know how else to say it, to listen in on what I think God is saying to me. Like maybe this is not for anyone else in the room, um, but this is what God is dealing with me, has been dealing with me about, has to come back to me again and again because I start going the way of the world, the way of the crowd. Like this is the thing that he's doing in my life. And uh, so welcome to my personal therapy for me. You know what I'm saying? I have the sense that I'm not alone when I say that my life is often overscheduled and under-contemplated. Does that make sense? Like, like for me, that means that my life is just what's next, what's next, what's next, what's next, thing, 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 do, do, do. And oftentimes I never sit down and just think about my life, like how is my life going and am I happy with what's going on? Am I comfortable with my trajectory? Am I comfortable with the path that I seem to be walking down? Because every path has a destination and the destination is not what you intend, it is what it is. The road leads where it goes and if you're on the road, it doesn't matter where you intend to go, you go where the road leads. So you, it's important to stop and go, what path am I on? Where am I going? I have so much going on, you do too, not necessarily bad things, just the, the stuff of life, that I rarely spend time thinking about the big picture of life. And, and so lean in and hear this. What that means is oftentimes the urgent things that are going, hey, pay attention to me, those things end up crowding out the important things. To the extent that we sacrifice ever thinking about eternal things, big picture things, because of the imminent things that are constantly noise in, in the forefront of our lives. And so I don't have time to think about what really matters in life. I'm just trying to survive this day. You know what I'm talking about? And all the while the clock is ticking on things that actually matter, family and faith and my mission in life. It's ticking away. And this though, this way of Doing pace of life is norm in our culture. Go, go, faster, faster, get more done, accomplish, acquire, make it happen. And, and while God put some of that in us, right, some of it has turned into unhealthy needs to, to go. And I would argue that most of us are living at an unbiblical and unsustainable pace, and yet it's what's normal today as it relates to the pace of life. And many of us, please hear me, are being sucked into a pace of life that nobody actually enjoys. We don't love it, right? But because it's normal and because we don't pause to think about what we're doing, we just keep doing the same crazy things. We go with the flow. We keep choosing, even if unintentionally, the broad way that leads to pain and chaos and hurt and unhealthy behaviors. So think about it like this. Um, some of you are going to roll your eyes a little bit, but that's okay. When you keep doing things that are crazy that you know are bad for you and your relationships or your health or your faith or whatever, but you do them anyway, that's called addiction. <laughs> right? Like, what? Yeah. That's called addiction. That's why you, you know people that are addicted to certain things and you're like, man, they're crazy. 
So are you, but in a different kind of way. So am I, right? So what happens is we live at unsustainable paces. We eventually become what? We become unsettled, even though we don't think about it. We're, we're apprehensive. We have nervous energy. We become unnerved. We become nervous. We become diseased. And it's, it's, so it's human nature when, when, we're, when we're feeling flighty and nervous to look for stuff to make us feel less than that, to feel, to feel normal. And I think it's there that many of our addictions take root. Right, Because we're trying to find something to settle. Our souls are frazzled, so we look for comforters to calm us down. What we call normal is actually insanity. And it's crushing the God-given stamp on your nature and on your hearts and your souls. That's why Jesus says, listen, fellas and ladies, broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many are going to travel that way. Now... On top of our two busy schedules, we are getting an avalanche of media in all forms coming at us all of the time. 24-hour news cycle, we're checking in, we're looking, we can't look away. We're trying to find out, you know, election stuff and, and politics and, and bad things and coronavirus and, and, and blah, blah, blah. And then you add to that, the, the new data says that Americans spend an average of just uh, 64 and a half minutes a day on Facebook and another 48 minutes on Instagram who are both owned by the same guy who's getting super rich off of us looking at that thing, by the, just FYI. Um, and, and by the way, it says that boomers, people my parents' age, actually spend more time than anybody except the littlest of the teenagers on their phones. Think about that. So that's what you guys all have to look forward to, just sitting around looking at your phone later on in life. You're welcome. We know that social media is killing our country. Yes or no? Come on, is it better for, are we better now because of it or are we worse because of it? Right, come on, we're worse, right? You're like, well, not for me, man. It's really feeding my soul. Is it? Right? Well, like social media, spreading lies, spreading hatred, spreading division, and that's just the church people. Come on, somebody. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. Kind of. But as bad as we know it is, we can't stop ourselves digging in the trash looking for something to eat can't stop. Like I can't even get people in front of me in the, on the traffic line to go because they're looking at it already. We've been here seven seconds. I got to see. Come on, is that y'all, man? I'm going to cut you if you do that. Lord Jesus. Come on, just a little bit. I'm just going to put this down here just in case y'all are wondering. No, I'm just kidding. Man's violent. Not really. But I do have a lot of knives. Anyways. Now, on top of that, on top of all of that, many of us have our phones, we have notifications set up on our phones, uh, and here's what we do to get us the latest bad news that happens all day long throughout the world, delivered conveniently to our phones. Oh, tornado happened over here, landslide over here, a bunch of riots over here, somebody famous died today, there was a bombing over here. All of this hitting our phones conveniently throughout the day for our benefit, but I want you to think about what that kind of news coming at you all of the time does to your body and your soul and your mind. Bad, 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 bad. Oh, I got to look at that and see it again, right? This is all very hard on our souls, traumatizing. In fact, according to research, it's actually damaging us like at a molecular level. 
but we keep doing it. It's actually completely changed the way that we learn and think. I just read about this this week, that we don't read anymore for depth. We don't know how to read vertically, like going down. We just read like this, scanning for sound bites that will, that will sort of justify our biases, and we roll with that. Whether it's true or not, we roll with it, right? Our souls are not made to move at the speed of smartphones, but that's normal. Jesus says, but listen, guys, that's the road that leads to destruction. The narrow way, the road of Jesus, the way of Jesus isn't about a pace that's unsustainable. It's not about downloading more and more and more information that's damaging our hearts and our souls. It's about the pace of grace. The pace of grace. So I wonder if any of you can relate to the words of that great philosopher, Uh, Bilbo Baggins, um, who said this, I feel all thin, sort of stretched like butter that has been scraped over too much bread. I need a holiday, and I don't even expect I shall return. In fact, I mean not to. Come on. Anybody feel like that? Let's, Let's talk about our souls for a minute. This is what's going on in my head. Are, are, are you happy most of the time? You don't have to answer. Just think about it. How, how often in your life do you feel lighthearted? Like, wow. Like the good kind of, not the, you know what I'm saying? There's a difference. When's the last time you had a deep sigh of satisfaction? Like I had a coffee. Rachel brought me coffee yesterday, and I was like, good kind. Are you excited about your future? Do you feel deeply loved and celebrated and appreciated? When was the last time you felt carefree? Now you're going, yeah, but Danny, that's it's not reality, man. This, this world that we live in, bro, it's, it, it, we, to live like that, nobody, nobody can have those things. Okay, but, but Jesus said in John 10.10 10, that he came to give us life and life more abundantly, to, 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 to life to the full. Some, shouldn't that be, some of that be our reality? Like on the Jesus way? Jesus invites us into a better way. It's the narrow way for sure. Not many are going to choose it, but it is better. And so I want to spend the rest of our time looking at this through the lens of a short story from Luke's gospel. It's a true story about, it's pretty known, well known, about two women who have a meal with Jesus. Let's read it, Luke 10. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Now, this is her friend, his friend. He's had a relationship with Martha and Mary and, her, and their brother Lazarus. We read about it in John. They're very, very close. So he's stopping by. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Keep going. But Martha was distracted. I want to underline that. By all the preparations that had had, we have to underline that because that's not actually true. She didn't have to do any of this to, to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Because remember, Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus. Tell her to help me. Now, interesting to me that she goes to Jesus with this without just going, hey, Mary, dude, come over here and help me, right? Why does she tell on him in front of him and her? He could, she, she, like, I think we're going to find out why. And so Jesus is Martha. Martha. The Lord answered, here, here we go. 
you are worried and upset about what? Many things. Take note of that. But, but few things are needed or indeed really only one thing. Mary has chosen what is, here we go, better. And it will not be taken away from her. Let me give you context here. Jesus shows up with, with his disciples. It's not just me. I always thought about the story until I read it again this week. Uh, Mary and Martha and Lazarus, because they were the friends. They were the main people in the room. But, but Jesus shows up with 12 disciples, so there's 13 uninvited guests here. And so in the culture, you go all out. This is not pull out some mac and cheese out of the blue box, throw it in a pot of water, and let's eat that and put some tuna in it. Or like in my case, when I grew up, we put ranch-style beans in ours. Why did we do this? Does anybody, did, you, did anybody else do this? So we were the only people in the whole world that ate ranch-style beans. What are ranch-style beans, anyways? Are they even beans? I don't know why I'm saying this. It has nothing to do with the sermon. So it's not leftovers. This is kill the fatted goat, cow, chicken, whatever you got, hen, whatever. So she's in the kitchen now, feverishly working up the spread. Those of you who cook, especially on the important days like Christmas and Thanksgiving and Easter, you know how stressful this is. And, and, and Martha, we're, we're learning, is, is, is a dynamic person. She's proactive. She's hospitable. She's hardworking. God's put this in her. She's just acting out of who, who she is. These are not faults of hers. But as Martha works, in this just little brief thing, we see something that's getting revealed. She starts out with, hey, I want to do a big thing, a good thing for the Lord. But it ends up being a bitterness and, and overwhelming pressure. Because here's the thing about pressure. Here's the thing about crisis. Crisis is a revealer, right? So like when you come home and you had a bad day and you take it out on your kids and you yell and you holler because they said something or she said something or he said something and you say, and they're like, why would you do that? And you go, well, you, if you wouldn't have said that, I wouldn't have done that. Wrong. It was in you and pressure brought it out of you. Pressure only and ever brings out what is already there. Well, it's her fault that I said it. No, 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 it's your fault. It wasn't even about her. It was about your day. It was about your boss. It was about your coworker. It was about you did a bad job, but you're going to take it out on her because pressure and crisis reveals what is already there every time, every time. Learn it, learn, learn that, right? And then and I have to, Rachel's going to go, remember that thing you said on Sunday? <laughs> this is the problem with saying stuff in front of y'all because people are going to bust me later with it. Okay, anyways. Where was I at? Uh, all right. Martha's a cook. She's probably really good at it. So she has all these people showing up. And if she was in our day, she'd want to create an Instagram-worthy meal for them. But really, this is more about her, as we'll see. She's like, hashtag blessed, hashtag cooking for God, hashtag my sister is lazy. Come on. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Picture perfect. Meanwhile, her sister's in there sitting at Jesus' feet. This is a custom of the time when a traveler comes, you offer him a bowl of water to wash his feet. And if you don't, a servant usually does that. If you don't have a servant, then if you're a good host, you do it. And that's what she does. But, but instead of just washing his feet and hurrying back to help her sister, she just stays there and hangs out with him. Martha, stressing out in the kitchen, she's getting angrier by the minute. But why? Why is she so angry at Mary? Why is she so stressed out? There's something else going on that Luke doesn't explicitly tell us what it is, but he hints at it. Because in verse 40, we read that she was distracted. 
She was distracted with all the preparation she had to make. Like if Martha was close enough to see Jesus and Mary, which she would have been in there, what they're doing, why, why, isn't she, why isn't she in here? Then she was also close enough to hear what he was saying to Mary and the disciples. But I have a feeling that his words were just white noise taking a back seat to the distractions she had placed on herself. Think about that. God is in your living room, but you're busy trying to cook a meal for him instead of listening to what he says. And this is, I think, the key to the text. What is most important is being drowned out by what is most urgent. And I think Martha has a deeper issue. She's like, hey, I'm just trying to do a good thing for God here. I want to do hard work, but really what's going on is for people to see her in a certain way, to see her as a success, to praise her for a good job. There's a deep insecurity. The text doesn't say it, but I know human nature because I've seen it long enough to know there's something else driving her efforts and driving her bitterness at her sister. This is what Jesus is getting at when he says, Martha, Martha. By the way, when Jesus repeats himself in the text, it's always super important to hone in. You are worried and you are upset about what? Many things. It wasn't that Mary was chilling with Jesus that was Martha's problem. It was the stuff beneath the stuff. And you see what I'm saying? Jesus, is, Jesus sees past all of the posturing that's going on. He cuts straight to the point, Martha, this isn't really about Mary. There's all this other stuff you got going on beneath the surface. So, so we've told you what normal is as it relates to the pace of life in our country. We know it can't be good for us. We know it's bad for our relationships. We know it's bad for our health. Why do we keep doing it? It's the stuff beneath the stuff. We think there's a payoff coming that's not really going to come. We think if we keep doing this somewhere, someday, I'll feel, I'll know, I'll have. But we never do. We never do. It's the need to feel like a somebody. It's the outsized need to feel like I'm a winner, that I'm worth something. And in order to be seen that way, I have to do certain things so that it'll appear that I'm winning. And plenty of people that are winning are losing everywhere that matters. But then let's look at Jesus because that's what this series is about, the way of Jesus is the better way. It's better than normal. Is it narrow? Yes, but it's the way that leads to life. Jesus is obviously here. There's lunch or dinner or whatever it is that's going on. He's most likely reclined. As a matter of fact, if you go read through the gospel at Jesus' activities, he's never in a hurry, even when hurry is called for. Hey, your, 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 your boy Lazarus is, is, is sick and is dying. Okay, I'll get there in three days. Hey, hey, my daughter is, is at home. She's about to die. Could you please hurry up? Yeah, I gotta, I'm going to talk to this other lady first. When hurry should be happening in Jesus' life, he's relaxed all the way through. He's always moving at a slower speed than his disciples were comfortable with. He'd sit down whenever they were on their way to someplace specifically. He'd hang out. He'd go off and just disappear altogether. And the disciples would finally find him and go, dude, dude, you see all these people here? They, they need you. And he'd go, hey, y'all, I see them. Let's go over here instead. He would leave the people. He did this over and over. Eh, they'll be fine. I got something else I'll do for them later on. You and I, we're going to go over here. He was super busy, but check this out, never in a hurry. Just to be clear, busy and hurry are not the same thing. We, we will all have seasons where we are unavoidably busy, but you don't have to be in a hurry during those seasons. Here's the, here's the truth. Busy is a function of your calendar. Hurry is the condition of your 
soul. Amped up, anxious, fretting, nervous, working. In our culture now that we have now, you can't be relaxed and unhurried because that's for losers. We got work, man. We got bottom lines. We got mission. We got to accomplish. We got to go. And Jesus was unhurried. He walked everywhere he went. Well, he didn't have a car. He had a donkey. He rode him once just to fulfill the prophet's scriptures, right? Could have rode a donkey. Could have found a horse. He's God. He could have had a horse. He could have made a horse. Horse. I don't know why that, I don't even know what that was. Tell me not to do that in the next service, babe. He didn't hurry, and yet he fulfilled his entire life's mission in three and a half years. He lived at the pace of grace. The pace of grace is, hey, God, I'm going to do my very best with what you've given me, and I'm going to trust you with the rest. Pace of grace. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, but most of us never experience that. Mary seems to get it. Martha does it. Martha is stressed. Martha is hurried. Martha is worried. And Mary is relaxed. Mary spending time with Jesus. Martha is walking the way of the crowd. Image management. Hurried. Stressed. Mary is walking the narrow road at peace, not trying to manage her image. She's not worried what others, even her own sister, thinks about her. She's not lazy. She's not a slacker. She just understands and lives in the right priorities. Jesus should be first in my life. Mary, I think, was perceptive about what Jesus actually needs. Maybe he came by there for food, but I think it was much more because these were his friends. I think he came by to have his friendship bucket filled. Hey, Martha, just make some leftovers. We'll all be together. I don't need you to impress me with your effort. Yeah, but Jesus, I'm going to do this all for you. Martha, you think I'm impre- what I'm impressed by is your productivity? What I'm actually impressed by is your presence. See, see, we get that wrong. I'm going to work hard for Jesus. Nah, don't work hard for Jesus. Just work with Jesus. Hurry is not a disordered schedule. Hurry is a disordered heart. And that's what this all boils down to. This is why we keep doing this to ourselves. It's a condition of the heart. We think there's a big payoff coming somewhere down the road, but it's an illusion. And Martha's heart gets exposed under the pressure she put she puts on herself and also yours and mine has over the last year as well and honestly many of us don't like what we've become and the question is what are you going to do about it this is why what Paul says in Romans 12 we've been reading this throughout this series he says don't become so well adjusted to your culture to norm that you fit into it without even thinking right instead fix your attention to God and like the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. Is there any more? Yeah, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. This is what this is about. The way of the world is immature. Hey, it's all about this. None of it is. And God says, no, 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 no. Don't be distracted by all that. Pay attention to what is real. I'm going to develop well-formed maturity in you. We have to stop and we have to think or we'll just keep doing what we've always been doing. We'll go right back to normal and there is a better way. It's the way of Jesus. So look what Jesus goes on and says to Martha. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is, say it, better. There it is. Martha, there's the broad road. There's the wide gate, the normal way. 
Martha, most people are going to choose to behave like you are right in this moment. I'm not condemning you. I put the, the drive in you. There's nothing wrong with the drive. You just got it out of alignment right now. Jesus is saying to Martha, Martha, I don't think you're bitter at, at what Mary has done or what she's not done. I think you're bitter at what you've done to you. I think you've, you, you've misunderstood what I'm, I want from you. So, so what does hurry look like? I'm just going to be honest with you. Like, Not that I'm not normally honest. I'm going to be just transparent. Let me say it that way. And tell you how it looks for me. This is why I'm inviting you into my own personal therapy here. Here we go. Ready? Um, hurry shows up with me in anxiousness and, and anxiety. I felt it all morning long, even today. This is the form it takes in my soul that driven by worry inside of me mode that I've received from my mother. Thanks, Mom, right? That pent up, that tenseness, that angst inside of me that I can feel if I'm paying attention. Like I can't really take deep breaths. I'm always just like, you know, just shallow. And, I, and, and then I don't take that, that sigh that is so satisfying. I don't take it. I don't realize it until my watch goes off and reminds me to breathe. I don't realize that I've been holding my, I've been holding my breath all day long. And, and so I was talking to a wise man last week, and I sought him out. He doesn't know me. We have never met before. We had a Zoom. And I was asking. I was just trying to seek counsel. And I was asking him, and he said, well, how are you doing? And I went through the whole thing about how this year, this last year has, has affected me. And he says, okay, okay, I see. I see. Danny, like, you're probably a thoroughbred. You, you probably were meant to be. Um, and you've been living like you're a thoroughbred racehorse. And I'm going to tell you that you're going to have to stop and learn to live like a horse that isn't very fast. <laughs> and I was like, do what now? <laughs> you want me to be a slow plodding horse? <laughs> yeah. You think, how do you think I felt when I heard that? Like, yeah, that's what I wanted to know, right? Hey, be a slow barnyard horse that just walks around in circles every now and then. Hurry looks like a desperate craving inside of me for people to admire me or to like what I do. Or it's looked like in past times, and, and, and I wrestle with it now, me doing enough to be seen as important in the eyes of others. So that when I'm not walking at the pace of grace, and I'm not living my life through the lens of how God sees me, then I will always try to do image management. I will try to live my life trying to measure up. But measure up to what? I don't really know. It's a shadow. I will try to measure up to a shadow. But the thing about shadows is that they constantly get longer, they get shorter, they shift, they move, so I don't ever get to really measure up. And this keeps me in striving mode rather than striding mode, which is the pace of grace. And I think that's what Martha's doing here. Hey, everybody. Look how busy I am, and look how good I am at my job. And everybody, look over here. I know you are paying attention over there. I need your attention over here. I need your admiration. I think this is why she goes straight to Jesus rather than to marry herself, which would have made much better sense. I need, I need somebody to validate my importance to what we're doing right now, and that's, that's us, y'all. That's us. We're addicted to likes. We're addicted to thumbs up and hearts and, and comments. And, and somebody tell me, and this is what's underneath that. This is the stuff beneath the stuff. Somebody tell me I'm good enough. Somebody tell me I'm valuable. Somebody tell me I'm worth something. And here's the deal. We are compulsive about trying to prove things about us that God has already said is true of us. 
Come on, lean into that. You are my beloved son, Danny. You are my beloved daughter. I love you so much. I value you so much that I went to the extremes of the cross to show that to you. You are heirs of mine. You, you, you are kings and priests. You are a, a royal priesthood, Peter says. You are chosen. You are set apart. You are called. Your value is incalculable to me, God says. And meanwhile, I'm more consumed with what others think of me than what my heavenly father thinks of me. And we keep reaching out there somewhere for people to give me that which God has already put inside of me that I have not yet held on to. Hey, somebody, tell me I'm valuable. Hey, somebody, confirm me that I'm worth it. And God is saying, listen, Danny, you are valuable. You are worth more than you could ever begin to imagine. But I can't hear it because I'm striving and I'm working my head off trying to build my name and my fame and my fortune and make sure my kids are plenty enough spoiled. And what God is saying to me is just white noise in the background of all of my efforts to be someone. Martha is striving. Mary is striding. Martha is trying to impress, and Mary is just hashtag blessed. Come on. What's a stride, Danny? What does that look like? Stride is long, purposeful steps in the same direction. It's not running. It's not helter-skelter. It's not spinning and running in circles. Ah, I see what God wants from me. It's a narrow way. It's not very wide at the gate. The narrow way takes purposeful steps, long steps in the same direction. And here's the catch. Here's the catch, y'all. Anything I can do in striving and an anxious and frenetic pace, in hurry, I could actually do them all better in peace and an unhurried pace because everybody knows now multitasking is not good. Oh, I'm really good at it. No, you're not. You just think you are because you, 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 you live your life like I do. How many things did I check off of my box today? Come on, is that anybody besides me? You got to check off things all day long? Like I have all these apps. Woohoo! look what I did. Yeah, but you forgot the big things over here. That's all right, but I got all these little things done. Just sharing with you what's going on in my head. I can do better work when I'm unhurried. I'm wiser. I'm more decisive. I have more energy. I have more creativity. When I'm striving, I may get a long to-do list done, but I won't be confident that any of it had any lasting value. There's the better way, the pace of grace, the way of Mary. What's Mary doing, verse 39? Meanwhile, Mary sat at the Lord's feet. What? Listening to what he said. She, she understands, Mary shows us that she understands here what most people never do, that one moment in the presence of Jesus can change everything. That one moment at the feet of Jesus is worth 10,000 hours of me striving to do it on my own. That putting Jesus first is what's most important. It's the one thing that Jesus talks about that is needed. She's giving God her first and her best and she's trusting him with the rest. Listen, if you could learn that one phrase, give God your first and your best and trust him with the rest, your whole life will change. 
So time with God cannot be relegated to one hour a week. It's got to be part of your rhythm, part of your life. If you're going to walk at the pace of grace, there's got to be something that includes God and starts with God. Do your days. Here's the practical part. Have a set time that you meet with God. You, you want to prioritize your life? You want to walk on the road that leads to life? You want peace in the midst of everybody else's chaos? It starts right here. You can't afford to get this wrong because this is the linchpin. Christ is the cornerstone of your life and mine. And if you don't build your life on his firm foundation, then everything gets out of order. So you start with giving God 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes. Whatever you do, you can build it up from there if you want to. But start somewhere. Danny, I don't have time for Sabbath because, by the way, Sabbath... Sabbath is the key, the antidote for everything I'm talking about today. Sabbath, which is God's gift to you and to me, where we stop, we delight, and we learn, and we listen, and we we shut off work, and we don't talk about work, and you don't answer the phone, and you don't answer the emails. You just spend time with God. You spend time with your love. With, with, With those you love, you have faith, and you have family. Sabbath doesn't have to be a particular day, just a day. God worked six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. Resting is for losers. Calling God a loser? He's going to cut you a little bit. No, he's not. Sabbath is where I'm reminded who God is and who I am. And I walk out of Sabbath, out of prayer, out of time with God. See, see, prayer is not just a thing that Christians do. It is the root. It is the soil from which all of the good things grow prayer is. That's why we start with 21 days of prayer. See, here's the thing. Martha is so focused on what's going to happen next, and Mary is focused on what's happening now. So here's the last thing. Don't sacrifice the now for the next. You get this one shot with your kids. You get this one shot with your family. You get this one shot with your faith. Don't wake up at one day and go, what have I done in my pursuit of more. So Jesus says, hey, I want you to have a come to Jesus meeting. You ever have a come to Jesus meeting with anybody? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, we're going to have a come to Jesus meeting, kids. What, and they're like, why you got to bring Jesus into it? This is about your anger, not his. Here's what Jesus says. Are you tired? Matthew 11. Are you worn out? Are you burned out even on religion? Come to me. Get away with me. And look at this. You'll recover. You'll get your life back. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. It's not about worship or work. It's about both. You have to have both. Work is, what did you say, Andy? Work, God, something work don't hurt. I can't remember. It was really good. I just forgot already because I'm, anyways. Work with me. Watch how I do it and then look at this. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. If you're carrying around a heavy burden right now, God didn't put that on you. You put that on you. He says, my burden is not ill-fitting. It's not heavy. Walk with me. Let me add this last words. Come to me, all who are stressed out, overwhelmed, can't get it all done. Come to me, single parents who are about to fall apart. Come to me, business guy who feels like you're going to lose it all if you don't hustle harder. Come to me, mom who has no breathing room for herself. 
come to me, those who are overwhelmed and feel insignificant if they're not busy all of the time. Come to me, learn my way. It's the better way. It's the way of grace. Father, probably this was just for me today. I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not a knower of this. I'm a learner. I'm learning it. I'm trying. God, but I invite folks who may feel, at least on some level, the way I do, to just lay it aside, lay it down at your feet, lay all the hurt and the worry and the angst and the fear. God, help them to learn how to untether themselves from all the junk that is feeding the frenzy, the social media, the constant news, the constant digging for who's right and who's wrong and what's coming next. And, oh, did you hear this is what's going to happen next? And some people are addicted to all of that, and it's crushing their souls. God, give us peace in the quiet. Help us to carve out moments of Sabbath. Even if we don't know how to do a whole day of Sabbath, help us to learn to take pauses throughout every day to hear, hey, you're my son. I love you. You're my daughter. I'm well pleased with you. Hey, listen, your burden's heavy, but I didn't put it on you. Take it off. Come to me. Walk with me. Work with me you'll find rest for your souls. I pray that that would be the experience of the folks in the room today, that they would find and know rest for their souls. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Come on, let's give it up for Jesus, would you? Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.